Oh, it's a special time for Beatle lovers. We are just moving right along in this Overnight Scape Central look at the Beatles and their albums in chronological order. And we are up to, I mean, a maturing. I mean, they're transitioning from a boy band to, well, real soon. Real soon, it's going to be like the serious stuff. I've got three albums away from Sgt. Pepper, for example. But Help, I actually, I like the Help album better than the Sgt. Pepper album. That much I'll say. I am PQ River, which you knew already. But uh, just in case, you never know. We've got some... uh, Rob from the Paunch Stevenson Show is here. Shambles Constant is here. Frank Edward Nora is here. Uh, We've got uh, contributions, and this should be a really cool show because, like I say, the, the Help album has always been from the first time I heard it and I saw the movie way back, literally in the day, to today it it's just it's so good and they've been doing all these deluxe super i don't think there has been a deluxe super help but uh maybe what in 2025 i'm hoping and in the meanwhile that uh what 2009 remaster i believe is what i am using for my listen and, uh, yeah, oh, and Frank's here. The, the Frank Edward Nora. Oh, man. Uh, the, you know, you forget such details as things go on. But it, this is going to be a fabulous show. I'm glad you're here for it. And uh, I'm not going to glom it up with me driveling along. So let's get right to it with, uh, here's Rob. Hi, it's Rob. We're talking about the Beatles. Help. This album came out in 1965 and there was also a movie so this is the second Beatles movie now there was a hard day's night and now help the title track help John Lennon a little bit of trivia this is the second fastest Beatles song ever some other Beatles songs like Can't Buy Me Love. Can't buy me love. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. This one, Help, is Help, I need somebody. Help, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So it's a bit faster than the typical Beatles song. Obviously, it's a big hit. Very famous song. It's catchy, it has that good energy, the fast tempo. Something weird, though, that I've noticed about it is, is Ringo playing a bass drum on the song Helm? (laughs) Because usually Ringo's drumming, he has that really strong beat, and now it's like, it's like this really tight, high-pitched snare drum, and like, I don't hear bass drum in this song, it's very strange. But a good song overall, of course. The Night Before, track two, Paul McCartney. I like it. This is one of those Beatles songs. It's like a 
I don't know how to describe it, a lost Beatles song or a forgotten Beatles song. It, just, it gets lost in the shuffle because it's not one of the big hits and it, there's nothing um, there's nothing too unique about it or too remarkable about it, but it's a good, solid, catchy song. You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, John Lennon. This is a little bit more slow, a little more somber. It's acoustic, and it has a really nice, warm sound to it, where the like just this nice, warm acoustic guitar sound, uh, and Ringo using brushes on the snare drum. It just creates this nice pad. It just gives me a nice feeling. This is a good one. I, I really like. You've got to hide your love away. It's a that's a good one. I Need You, George Harrison. This one, again, like the night before, it's not one of the top amazing Beatles songs. So therefore, it gets lost in the shuffle. But I like it. I like I Need You. It has that electric guitar played with the volume pedal. It comes in like... Like that. I like it. It's simple. It's catchy. It's a good one. Another Girl, Paul McCartney. This one, I I don't like it. I just find it boring and, and, and annoying, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't, there's just something about the way it sounds. It's You know what? Another Girl reminds me of just the, the sound of it, the sound of it the way it was recorded it reminds me of things we said today which like i said in the hard days night episode it's not a bad song it just has this dreary bleak sound to it like just a a tone a sound quality to it and that's the feeling that i get from another girl too i just get this drab, bleak feeling from the sound, like the sonic fingerprint of another girl. Plus, you have Paul McCartney doing all this noodling on the um, on the lead electric guitar, which I know a lot of people praise how innovative it was and using Indian-influenced notes and scales and, and things. And I'm like, yes, the concept is cool, but I think it was too much noodling for me. For me, it was too much noodling. And it just, I don't know, it just annoys me. It's, and the chord progressions, the chord choices and the melody. And I don't know, this one just doesn't work for me. You're going to lose that girl. I really like this one. There's something very catchy about it. The beat, right? Ringo's drum beat and the... John singing and just there's something about it that really clicks with me and I find it very catchy and just driving. It's like this driving beat and I like that one. And then Ticket to Ride is, uh, of course, big famous hit song. And, uh, and, and this one's a really good one. I love Ticket to Ride. It has such a different feeling to it. It's such a different sound. It's it has that drone, like, 
as the pad in the background and it's like this was a heavy song then act naturally which is sung by Ringo Starr it's a cover song country western Buck Owens band on the previous album Beatles for Sale Ringo did a cover of Carl Perkins Honey Don't and it was okay it was okay but this one I feel like it just clicks a lot better it's more catchy it's more energetic it's more upbeat it's the way it was recorded the sound of it the sound of the guitars there's some, there's a really cool sounding electric guitar there just has a really cool pleasing tone to it and the clicks on the rim of the snare drum going along with the drum beat and the bass the harmonies that come in once in a while this one clicks a lot better for me than honey don't i really like act naturally <laughs> this is a good one it just works a lot better it's only love john lennon you have these really jangly 12 string acoustic guitars you have ringo doing his quirky syncopated drum beat that he does in the song in my life and anna go to him it's the same drum beat uh, it's only love and that is all. It's good. It's a good one. Again, this one, I feel like, like a few of the songs on this album so far, it gets lost in the shuffle a bit because it's not one of the top standout songs. And there's so many. There's so many top standout songs that even a B-tier Beatles song which is still fantastic. It just it gets lost in the shuffle. But this is a good one for me. You Like Me Too Much. We're back to George Harrison. I find it a bit too simplistic. And simple can be good. Simple can be very good. Simple can be excellent. But this one, there's just something about it. It's just a bit too babyish, a bit too simplistic. It's bottom tier. <laughs> A Beatles song for me. You like me too much and I like you. I really do. It's like, okay, come on now. It's like a kindergarten nursery rhyme or something. Which again, isn't automatically bad, but there's just... Uh, no, no. Tell me what you see... There are elements of this song that I really like. So you have John and Paul singing in unison together. But there's something about their say they're they're doing this syncopated melody, but they're rushing, and it, that's always bothered me because. This could be a really good song, but they're rushing the vocal and it just ruins it for me. I feel like if they did another couple takes of it and really f like settled into the pocket that they were trying to find. I don't know. Th this is like this is a rare miss for me. A rare Lennon McCartney miss. There's potential, but they just they they missed it. 
I've just seen a face. Bit of trivia. This is the fastest Beatles song in their whole catalog. So even even a song like Help, right? Help, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Help, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. This is I've just seen a one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I mean, even a fast-paced song like, for example, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Reprise. Boom, two, boom, boom, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. This is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I've just seen a face I can't forget the time we're blazing. We don't. This is a really good one, and this one sounds so different from, I would say, every other Beatles song. First of all, there's no bass guitar, so it's it's acoustic guitars. It's like really folksy, but again, the fastest-paced Beatles song, the harmony vocals, the brushes on the snare drum, and it, this is a really good one, and it sounds so different. They really nailed it on this one. To me, this is a classic Beatles song. I feel like I feel like this one gets a little bit lost in the shuffle too, but and it shouldn't because it's so good. It's just really catchy, good driving energy. This is a this is top tier Beatles material. Then another McCartney song, Yesterday, which I know like not that many people have probably heard of, but uh, no, just kidding. It's the most one of the most famous Beatles songs ever made, and probably the most covered song in the whole world ever. And um, literally, I'm not exaggerating. It's a great, obviously, it's a great song. The melody, uh, lyrically, the, the, um, it's self-reflection and, and the maturity level. George Martin's string arrangement, of course, is very beautiful and tasteful and sophisticated. And yeah, what can I possibly say about yesterday? It's just a legendary song. And then they brought back ending the album with a John Lennon belting out rock and roll cover song, Dizzy Miss Lizzie. There are elements of this recording that I like, but overall, I think it's... uh, I don't know if it's the song choice, if it's a little bit sloppy playing, if it was a little... like. Again, maybe they needed a couple more takes to really perfect it. Twist and Shout, obviously, was top-tier, legendary. Money, that's what I want, top-tier. This one, it's, I don't know, it's just missing something. And the those electric guitar feel... There's like a sloppiness to it. But in this case, not in a good way. Because sloppy can be good. In this case, it's not in a good way. It's just in a rushed, unprepared kind of way. Right? Because the, the whole point of this song is those fills. Those re- repetitive, repetitive, repetitive fills. I keep repeating and driving the song. And if you're getting sloppy with those and missing ones and coming in late and whatever, it's like, well, n- now it's ruined now. So, yeah, it, Dizzy Miss Lizzie, it's not bad. It's not even... It's not bad. It's obviously it's not top tier, but it's not even second tier. I, I, it's like third tier for me, which is a shame because now you're closing the album with what should have been a return to the John Lennon big, loud, 
chaotic rocker and 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 it's uh, kind of I feel like they missed the mark a little bit. Again, it's one of those rare Beatle misses, but uh, but overall, so obviously side one was very strong overall. And then the second half side two was up and down a little bit more, but st- overall still strong. I mean, you have yesterday, I've just seen a face act naturally. It's only love. But again, the beat, you know, they're touring and concerts and TV appearances, interviews, recording albums, writing material, uh, movies, <laughs> filming movies. What do you want? This album was also released in the U.S., so I'm a lifelong Beatles fan uh, who lives in the United States. So I did not grow up with this version, this U.K. real version of the Help album. I grew up with the U.S. Capitol soundtrack album. And it had a handful of the Beatles songs and then a bunch of instrumental songs from the movie so it had help which started off with this instrumental james bond ish sounding little intro like a 20 second intro or something so i'm like oh that that's the song help that's how the song help goes and then in 1987 when the cds came out and it was the official uk versions listening to those it's like huh, wait what happened where where's that little intro there what 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 did they do they cut it off or what did they do not realizing i spent several years growing up with the fake versions of these albums uh, so yeah you had help the night before you've got to hide your love away i need you another girl uh yeah see i'm used to side b starting with another girl still it's it's one of those things that despite decades of listening to the official UK versions, that US reconfiguration is still imprinted on my brain because it was such an early age. Uh, Ticket to ride and you're going to lose that girl. So very good choices there, really strong choices. And then from me to you, instrumental version in the Tyrol... Am I saying that correctly? Instrumental version, the bitter end, you can't do that. Instrumental version and the chase. And so it's like, ah, I would always skip those, to be honest with you. I would always skip those. Listening to them now as an adult, I'm like, you know, this is actually uh, pretty interesting here. This instrumental version. I like, I like some of them. But yeah, growing up, I'm like, no, I, just, I want to hear the catchy music. I don't want to hear these weird instrumental. <laughs> it's like fake versions on fake albums. That's, I, I don't know. But I'll end with this. This is one of two Beatles albums. The other one being Rubber Soul, where practically speaking, the original stereo mix is lost forever which is a shame because I find the original stereo mix to be superior. So here's what happened. In preparation for the Beatles catalog being released on CD in 1987, George Martin, I'm paraphrasing, but George Martin was brought in 
to uh, tweak the sound or, or to prepare the albums for release on CD. And one of the decisions that he made was to, quote, remix the Help album and the Rubber Soul album. Now, I've heard him speak in interviews and explaining he didn't want to radically remix the albums because he was afraid it would upset the Beatles fans too much, the purists who grew up with... They, they wanted to hear the sound that they, were, that they grew up with their whole lives. So supposedly he wanted to center the vocals and center the bass and drums and, and do a real uh, stereo mix, like revamp it from scratch. But he, he was afraid it would be too dramatic of a change and that there would be a backlash. So supposedly he decided to stay true to the source material but make some tweaks and enhancements to it. So shift the stereo image slightly instead of dramatically. Add some digital reverb and adjust the equalization and just make it, make it a little bit more modern. And I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I'm not just saying this as a Beatles purist. I genuinely, as unbiased as possible, genuinely believe that the original 1965 mixes and EQ... When I say mix, I mean including the EQ and everything. The sound of the 1965 mixes sounds punchier, clearer, right? Because you, you don't have this artificial digital reverb smeared all over it and it's not this smile face EQ where they pulled down the mid-range to try to make it sound more modern. No. It has that very crucial, key, vital Beatles mid-range punch, those original 1965 stereo mixes, and a clarity and, a, and an energy to them that, in my opinion, George Martin ruined when he remixed, <laughs> slightly remixed and re-EQ'd Help and Rubber Soul. So... In 2009, when the Beatles stereo remastered box set came out and mono remastered box set came out, in the, in the, for some reason, in the mono <laughs> remastered box set, the, the, out, the CD of Help and Rubber Soul on the mono uh, CDs also included the original 1965 stereo mixes. And I'm glad that I bought those because now, now I have them. I have the 1965 original stereo mixes. But other than that, I mean, who's going out and buying the mono? Is that even in print anymore? I don't even know. I don't know if, if somebody could even buy that anymore. And even if you could, you're going to spend $100 plus on a whole box set just to get... Just to be able to listen to these two albums in their original stereo form, like, that's why I said practically speaking, these original 1965 stereo mixes are gone forever because as a fan, I can't just go to a music store or go online 
and order uh, or stream <laughs> these original 1965 albums. I had to have bought the mono box set when it came out in 2009 and ripped them to my computer and listened to them that way. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm curious to hear everyone else's thoughts. Take care. Thanks, Rob. Oddly, I've been mostly, when I, except for these, I've been listening to the 2009 remasters off of YouTube just for convenience. But I do have that mono, and I believe a, ra- uh, a decent rip of it. Uh, so if, if you're really interested, I could probably... Um, share that with you at some point uh, i get it i'm in pretty much agreement with you on that i mean another girl it's bleaky i concede annoying i don't know i like that crazy little slidey mccartney lead and then at the end he's just going off into the corner there with his noodling but yeah uh, I, I do respect the opinion of the lead guitarist from fuzzy Daubner. uh so i'll concede that just based on you know i, I like it from my five-year-old first heard it point of view he's actually listening with a critical ear um the melody of it's only love is just so neat that it's almost like something out of a classical maybe of course i'm not any expert on that but it's just got that pretty little uh yesterday it's a lovely song if i never heard it again i don't think i would miss it it's just that and i remember Ed Sullivan uh, as a kid and yeah uh, even then and what was I five years old it's, 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 that, that, that the Beatles were going to be on Ed Sullivan and, and no it's not the, the Paul McCartney and some violins what the heck is that uh, I don't know and uh, speaking of things like that uh I hate to say this to George Harrison or about George Harrison. And uh, yeah, that, that most of the people within the sound of my voice already disagree with me, but I like Mr. Moonlight better than you like me too much. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh boy. And uh, I'll leave that at that because uh, we, we've got we've got Mr. Shambles constant. Uh, and I am certain after uh, missing our last time, uh, he, he's, he's going to do some catch up. And uh, he, he has some very respectable Beatles opinions. So um, let us hand the floor over. All right. First things first, uh, I, I've got something I need to cover uh, before I go into talking about the Beatles' fifth album entitled Help. Um, And by the way, I uh, did not contribute to last week because of reasons, um, but I am still going to work in a a review of Beatles for Sale at some point soon. Um, 
I, I might be kind of under the gun because I know that PQ um, has been releasing these on on Fridays. So uh, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, this will get in in time. Um, but I won't prolong it right now by doing the Beatles for Sale review. But I'll I'll work it in somewhere. Maybe I'll do like maybe I'll just record like an additional and send it to him and just let him you know add it to whatever he wants. You know, is is totally fine. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, you know, so as you may know, I do this show called Bumper Chain Cosmic and, uh, I've got a couple of shows going on, but, uh, Bumper Chain Cosmic is, uh, uh, kind of the main one I'm doing right now in terms of regular schedule, cause I've been releasing those on Fridays as well. Um, and, uh, you know, for, you know, if you don't know, Bumper Chain Cosmic is, um, an assemblage of found audio um, where I, I put in um, old commercials, Creative Commons music, old time radio stuff, um, field recordings, like a variety of different kind of things. You know, kind of like uh, uh, Frank Edward Nora um, does the other side at the end of each Overnight Scape episode. Um, well, I've got uh, I've got the uh, you know the Bumper Chain Cosmic and. The episodes, you know, they, they average about three hours a week, um, you know, maybe more, maybe less, but three hours is kind of the... And um, the, the way I compile these is um, I'm downloading stuff all the time that I find. Mostly mostly I find stuff on Internet Archive, archive.org, but occasionally I might pull something from somewhere else. But the vast majority of the material I put on is from archive.org. Um, and, uh, I, I, I listen to it ahead of time before I compile the show, you know, so I know what the individual pieces are about. Um, but every so often I'll, I'll, you know, I decide to like surprise myself. Like I'll, I'll go with like a tried and true, um, I'll, I'll put something in that, you know, has already been on. Uh, on SUG or it's like like an old time radio kind of a thing or something that are usually pretty safe <laughs> once in a while I'll add something to an episode um, without previewing it pre-listening um, it, it's it's a nice little surprise for me because um, on Friday I'll be working and I'll just I'll listen to my whole show all together you know all, all at once um, you know when I'm compiling I'm, I'm keeping in mind oh this this might be good you know um, bounce next to this, like, you know, this piece and then this, you know, but to listen to the entire show, it'll usually be, um, you know, on, on Friday. Um, and I went ahead and released the one for today, the hundred handed ones, uh, episode 17. Um, I put in a classic, uh, Hey everybody, it's Jimbo episode. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to let Jimbo surprise me. I'm going to pick one kind of at random. Um, and I look through to see what's, you know, about, I wanted something about 30, 40 minutes. That's where his shows usually ran. Um, I'll do, and I pick the, I'll pick this one. I picked a, an episode called Zombies. Um, I'll let Jimbo surprise me. And uh, yeah, Jimbo surprised me. <laughs> um, I may be overthinking this, but I just want to, I just want to mention it. Um, he had a bit in it. Um, a lot of his shows which you know definitely go go to the onsug archive the overnight escape underground archive and 
um, listen to old Jimbo shows because, um, you know, he, he was, he was an amazing broadcaster and, you know, we sadly lost him. Uh, he passed away in November of, of 2017. And, um, I know there are many of us out there who, uh, who still miss him very much and, you know, miss that thrill of seeing, oh, there's a new Jimbo show, you know, or like that. So I like to, to every so often to kind of pay tribute a little bit and put a put an episode of his show in, in Bumper Chain Cosmic or whatever, you know, whatever I might be doing. And um, this particular one, I'm listening after I had uh, released it this morning. Um, I, I'm, like I say, I usually preview everything. Uh, pre-listen, but this one I let him surprise me, and and you know he had a bit um, about how <laughs> what you know how people are going to react after he after he dies. You know he's like uh, it was about it was recorded in early 2016, I think, so it was close to two years before he passed, and you know it, it was kind of a self-deprecating like he liked to put you know self-deprecating humor in his shows from time to time, and. You know, saying that people were going to sing like Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead, you know, and all this. And I listened to this this afternoon and I went, oh shit. Because I don't want anybody to even, because like what he was saying jokingly, you know, as, a, as like a bit, you know, it was like it couldn't be further from the truth. Like I said, we, you know, we all miss him very much. I, you know, I love the guy. He was, he was an amazing broadcaster, great guy. I never got to meet him in real life, but, you know, I would consider him a, um, a good friend. And he referred to me as his brother once. And it, that's one of the great compliments of my, of my life that I, I carry with me. And, but I don't want anybody to think that I chose that episode as like a, you know, to in any way, express that ding dong the you know I just don't I don't want anybody to even think that basically which is why I'm doing this kind of uh, um, disclaimer retraction I don't know what it is I'll, I mean you know and it was a great Jimbo episode and I I love the way that you know you know when you're listening to something like this and and you hear a Jimbo you know I think it really adds something to Bumper Chain Cosmic or, you know, I know PQ has uh, played classic Jimbo stuff on um, on his stuff on like, you know, Quick Commercial Satellite or whatever, you know, and I think he's played some on Central and like that. So I just don't even want anyone, I don't want that to cross anyone's minds if I can help it because, you know, I, I really do miss the guy. So, but... You know, and and I think honestly, if you know, if Jimbo, I think his reaction to me including that clip, I, I think he would have been amused. I think I really do. I think that he would have laughed at me. Um, he probably would have uh, written a, a hometownville where my character Tup did something stupid, you know, <laughs> like that was similar to that, or you know, he would have done something like that, you know. Um, so I think it's I think. Honestly, I think I'm overthinking it, but I just wanted to get that out, and and there you go. I agree. As far as what how we'd react, he, he, I mean, he knew. Let's face it. I mean, that's and the joy that he had. I kind of. I mean, I like to think that this 
extended his existence and he left us this incredible legacy i mean jimbo did so many shows in a rather short period of time i mean he took over and he if he were still alive he'd still be hosting the overnight scape central i would imagine i gave that seat up and uh yeah i'm, I'm back and i enjoy doing this but uh but someday I hope somebody else will step in and uh, be there covering this uh, the, the, this seat and keeping the overnight scape going because I'm an old guy. This is old geezer PQ. But uh, I am so glad when anybody is uh, playing uh, Jimbo on their shows. And a, a real it, it, with those shows you do, those fit in nicely. When Frank posts the monthly on um, archive.org, it really is like a radio station. You can just start it and let the month's stuff go chronologically and just work. And yeah, I miss stuff. That that usually I've all have listened to most of the shows by then. But it really is kind of a nice thing to have going while working or doing tasks or in the background. And uh, it, it's our radio station. It really is. And that um, it, it, as far as how the central is falling schedule wise, uh, it's falling. And as I, you know, that we're going to try to do it like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week. Friday seemed to work, feel nice, because then Saturday morning, people could wake up and there would be a central on the Beatles, which is kind of a nice thing. But I'm the, the, the whole idea of podcasts is flexibility and being independent and not being nailed down to time, so... Uh, the central is for us all. So I, I, at this point, I really feel being flexible works, especially since, I mean, I'm not exactly on my regular pacing of late. So uh, I, I got my, I mean, the power went out here uh, the other day, which did just back everything and i've got this other project i'm doing that i've already baffled up but that's a whole other story because uh let's go go back to shambles and we're gonna get to the meat and back to beetle talk so anyway the help album um obviously it's uh you know it's the soundtrack to the beatles second movie help exclamation point and um, the movie you know whatever you may think about it I know that there have been various opinions expressed about the film on on uh, you know on overnight scape central and uh, you know I, I the movie it's okay I mean it's not I, I'm kind of in between like like I it's it's not awful there are some funny parts to it but hard day's night is a hell of a lot better and i do see a lot of like uh influence of like you know um like the monkeys when they had the monkeys tv show i think is based more on something like help than it is on hard day's night because you know help has got like you know it's got like a foreign intrigue you know 
kind of a plot line. And a lot of the monkeys episodes, there'd be like spies or there'd be, you know, some kind of a weird situation they got themselves into. Um, you know, the movie of, of help is very much like that. And I mean, it, it, it might go kind of overboard sometimes, but it's just silly. And it's just kind of, it's a bit of fun basically. Um, you know, I wouldn't call it a classic like I would a hard day's night, but you know, it's, it's, you know, it's fun. So, and the soundtrack, we're starting to get into the Beatles albums where I have more of a personal, um, connection to, because I got more into the, the mid to late Beatles stuff, um, as a kid, you know, when I was like 12 years old and like, you know, like, um, PQ mentioned that it's kind of funny that I, you know, an unusual maybe that I got to the Beatles through the monkeys instead of what you might think the other way around. And it is funny, you know, I was like, I, I wasn't really, I didn't really listen to a lot of music, you know, up until I was 12. Um, and you know, when I, when I was 12, uh, the monkeys was being played on Nickelodeon on Nick at night. And I started watching it and those were like the music and, you know, um, and so my mom was like, well, if you like the monkeys, you should love the Beatles, <laughs> which she was, of course, absolutely right. Um, and, uh, so, you know, the, those, you know, I, I, I kind of started off with some of, the, I got more into like the later Beatles stuff more than I did the early stuff for some, I, I don't know exactly why, but it gelled more to my, you know, it was more fascinating to me. It was, I don't know what it was, but, uh, so I remember getting the cassette of, of help, which I don't think was, I don't think it was, I don't know if it was the American release or what the, it had all the same songs, but they were just in a different order than the list that I'm looking at right now on Wikipedia. Like it started with, I need you. Um, it was like, I need you, another girl. Um, I've just seen a face and it went on like that. And like, uh, you know, yesterday was toward the end of the first side. Um, it's a totally different order. Um, this list that I'm looking at now, but so I'm going to go through the, the actual list that I'm looking at, but it, it was like, I remember getting the cassette and we, my, my mom and dad and I used to go to, um, and we, we would fish at this fishing trailer. Like they had this fishing trailer that they, they were renting. Um, it was like up on blocks, you know, and, uh, you know, we never took it anywhere. It was like a small house on blocks kind of a thing, but they're just called it, we call it the trailer. And, um, uh, I had a Walkman, you know, Sony Walkman, I guess it was Sony. And, uh, you know, one weekend we stayed there and I, I had bought this cassette and I listened to it a lot that weekend. But then I, I remember leaving just the cassette, um, on the porch and I forgot about, I forgot it was there. And then, you know, we were, you know, it was like a week or two before we came back. And I, I, I was like, I, I don't know where I left it. I don't know where I put it. I didn't know, I didn't know if it was inside, outside, where it was. And when we got back there, it turned out that the cassette was on the porch, um, not even in the case or anything, just on its own. And I'm like, oh, damn, 
you know? So, but then I played it and it played fine. Everything was fine, you know? So like, if there was precipitation or anything, like it, it didn't damage it, you know, it was enclosed to where it didn't get rained on or anything, you know? And it, and it played just fine. And I had it for, you know, quite some time after that. I Eventually I replaced it with the CD, um, but yeah, so, Anyway, but I have a fond memory of, of listening to it, sitting on that porch, you know, at, at sunset, listening to yesterday and the night before and all that, you know, just a very fond memory of that. So that's personal connection. So anyway, the album itself starts off with, with help. And like I said, the, well, the CD, I think, is in the same order. It should be in the same order, but I got used to it with the the cassette, so it's a little weird seeing this order. But you know, it starts off with the song "Help," which you know, um, it's been said that uh, John wrote the song literally as like a cry for help, which makes total sense. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of close, careful analysis to figure that out. <laughs> you know, um, like John Lennon said that he went through this thing every few years where he had this like you know almost like existential crisis and you know he happened to be in one during you know 1964 65 um when everything was going on so that was probably where that where all that came from um you know i love that the song is help exclamation point and you know, I think that's really reached people a lot, that song has. Um, the meaning behind it and, you know, help, I need somebody, you know, not just anybody, you know, I need someone, help, you know. Um, and it, it's it's kind of a faster song, but it, you know, there's a, you know, there's some deep emotion that's uh, within that song. You know, and then you've got uh, The Night Before, um, where you got, um, Paul's first uh, lyric or first uh, vocal of the of the album, um, and you know that's a fine song too. I mean that's a that's a that's a fine. I remember a, a coworker of mine back. Well, I worked with her around the time. I know I, I know I was working with her when George Harrison died because we um, that that next day um, we sort of exchanged condolences, you know, on on George passing away. But I remember her, we were talking about like music and stuff one day and she's like, what's the song, Treat Me Like You Did Last Night? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, she's like, you know, she's like, I think it's the Beatles. Like, what, what song is that? It's like, treat me like, and I, I, it took me a while to figure it out. I was, oh, treat me like you did the night before. Now were you telling lies the night before? Was I so unwise the night before? Um, you know, and it's and it really, you know, that's another good, great song. I mean, I I really do like the night before. You know, um, I don't have a lot to say about it except for that little anecdote. Um, You've got to hide your love away. Uh, is is a really it's it's a very it's a beautiful song in my opinion and um, I know that's been cited before as maybe having possible um, you know like 
like a, like a gay subtext, you know, it was like, uh, you know, gay people had to, to hide their love away. Like they had to hide that, you know, that, that, um, they were of, um, you know, the homosexual orientation. You don't have to take the song like that. I mean, you know, it can be any, anyone that's, that's, that feels like they have to, to hide their feelings, like for whatever reason, maybe they have to, you know, pretend to not have those feelings about someone. Um, oh, and that song is two minutes and nine seconds. <laughs> it's 209. Um, there was another Beatles song that um, was was that length of time, and um, Frank mentioned it recently on one of the earlier centrals. But you've got to hide your love away. Hey, you've got to hide your love away. Do, do. A lot of these are really picking up on some universal uh, themes of, uh, uh, you know, about love and like, like rejection or, and the Beatles songs were getting more, a little more complex. It's not all like, love me do, you know, I love you <laughs> or like, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's a little more depth to them and there's just something about it that I, I that really speaks to me in a way that the early Beatles stuff doesn't as much, you know, I have to struggle a little more to, you know, I love the, the early stuff too, but you know, it's, it's, I have to think about it more of like, what do I like about this song where, you know, as they, their music and lyrics got more complex, uh, you know, it becomes more almost like a visceral thing or like, you know, it's not like thinking so much as like, this is how I feel. So, um, I need you was a, an early, um, George Harrison song, you know, he wrote, um, like I say, it was interesting to have, I need you as the beginning of the help album on that cassette that I, that I had bought. Um, you know, it gives it a, a completely different vibe, you know, to start, start it off, you know, with a slow song, um, and a, and a, and a meaningful one. And it's like, you know, it's like just, just a plaintive, like, you know, I need you, but it's, it's kind of understated. Like it's not, it doesn't hit you over the head with the me, you know, with the message at all. It's just like, you know, as I looked in your eyes, you told me, oh yes, you told me, you don't want my loving anymore. You know, it's just, there, there's just a, a, a nice, almost subtle subtlety of emotion in the song. It's really lovely. Um, Another Girl is quite good. Um, it's not one that I usually think about that much. Um, it's not necessarily like a highlight of the album, but um, I, I do I do like it. Um, I ain't no fool and I don't take what I don't want, but I have got another girl. It's almost like a country western feel to it, so it's quite nice. Um, you're gonna lose that girl pretty much this, I would say pretty much the same kind of thing as, um, another girl. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, it, it, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's not one that I really think about that much, but it, it, you know, I don't know if I would call it album filler necessarily because it, it stands up, you know, very well as a song on its own. And, you know, that's, that's another one that's, um, that's, that's one that it's got an interesting, you know, 
It's like, look, I'm warning you, man. You are going to lose that girl if you keep screwing around, doing what you do. It's like, I'll make a point to take her away from you. Watch what you do. The way you treat her, what else can I do? It's like, you, you know, man, my hands are tied. You're like, we're, we're friends and stuff, but, you know, I'm going to take her from you. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. That's kind of a, a, a gentle boasting about it, you know. Ticket to Ride. Oh my God, I love Ticket to Ride. Um, to the point that I used to have a license plate on on a car that I had back in the '90s. That was the license plate was TKTRDE7. Um, Ticket to Ride, and then I added seven because I like the number seven. <laughs> it's like, but that used to be my license plate. Um, it was a car that uh, you know my my dad like was co-owner like we you know he co-signed for me on it um so when i eventually got a car on my own i had to relinquish that license plate which but i miss it i really miss tkt rde7 ticket to ride itself i don't know they say it's like an early heavy metal i don't know about all that but um i just i really love it and that song ticket to ride is the song that's in the the Beatles clip that's in an old Doctor Who episode from the 60s, uh, the first the first episode of the Chase during the William Hartnell era, um, you see a clip of the Beatles on on some TV show, you know, performing on a TV show, um, doing Ticket to Ride, and then you know like the 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 TARDIS crew. Um, are, are like dancing to it and stuff and like Ian's like swaying his hands around and listening to it and um, you know and then the, they somebody accidentally turns off the you know the, the TV that they're watching it on and uh, the doctor's like now you've squashed my favorite Beatles so it was like a, an endorsement from Doctor Who like it's, it's like a, a great juxtaposition of, of two of my you know my biggest loves Doctor Who and the Beatles um but because the whole thing was they're watching things on a on a time space visualizer, you know, um, where they they're seeing different scenes from from the past, and that was actually from 1965. That was like actually you know present day for when the episode uh, was aired. And the other thing about it is that that clip that is the only existing footage of that from that specific show is. It only exists because it was in that Doctor Who episode. But yet, when they released the DVD of The Chase, it's not on there. Like, they they cut, they had to cut that bit out of the episode because of copyright. It's it's on the, the VHS that came out in the 90s, but then when it came out on, on DVD, years later, it is, it is, it's removed from the episode entirely. You know, you see, you see part where they're watching Abraham Lincoln give a speech and they're watching um, a scene of like William Shakespeare talking to the Queen and you know uh, but that that had to be taken out because of copyright reasons which is is unfortunate um, I still have my old VHS of, of that episode or of that story because that clip is on it even though I no longer even have anything to watch it on I can't I can't digitize it because you know, oh, my wife's trying to text me. Um, I can't digitize it because, you know, it's copyright, another copyright thing, and they, they won't digitize it. So, but I love Ticket to Ride. It's, uh, 
you know, it's it's a great song, and like I said, I have a personal connection on that one. Hold, please. Side two. <laughs> Here we go. Oh wait, let me look at this North American Capital release. Uh, let me try to find the track listing. See, that's got yet another. The songs are in a different order again. Um, I mean, they're 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 in a similar order, but then it's got some instrumentals thrown in that were in the Help movie, and then it doesn't have all the songs, so that you know they ended up putting them on a different American release and uh, whatever. So I'm not even going to try to figure this out from there. I don't know. I don't know why the cassette I had had a whole different order. Maybe somebody else could shed some light on that. Side two was one of two covers on on the Help album. Um, Act naturally uh, was by Morrison and Russell. Um, that was that was a Buck Owens song as well. Um, Ringo got the vocal on that, and I used to like I used to date um, a girl that uh, that sang with um, a country western band, went to different legions and stuff around the area that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, her parents ran this band and so she sang with it and they let me sing a couple of songs with them on occasion and Act Naturally was one of them. So that got to be, you know, I got to, uh, sort of, um, use that as like a showcase, even though I wasn't, I mean, I'm still not a great singer, but I think I'm pretty good, <laughs> but I was not a good singer then. So it was really just... You know, they were just being nice to me, and they put me on, like, the last, <laughs> you know, um, the last hour, <laughs> the last set of the night or whatever. Hang on. Hang on again. And it's because I, I you know, I, I acted in plays and stuff like that that I chose that particular Beatles song, you know, to, to sing in front of, like, a small crowd of uh, people who were, you know, half drunk and... <laughs> It didn't really matter. Whatever. I only sang it a few times, I think, but whatever. But, uh, you know, it's a good, it's a, it's a great showcase song for Ringo, you know? Um, especially since he had something of an acting career on his own after the Beatles, where he, you know, he was in, uh, what, The Magic Christian and, uh, Caveman? Was that the name of that movie? Various things like that, you know? Um, so that's that's a really fun tune. Um, it's only love. Um, I think that wasn't that one that John wrote, and then later he kind of disavowed, and he was like, "It's not very good, whatever." But but it's it's a it's a nice little pretty song. This is this this album is full of great songs, and uh, you know, um, it, it's a little odd that song is there, there's something about it like I don't know a lot of music terminology so I can't quite put my finger on it but there's something a little odd about that song but it's also you know it's maybe it's on a different scale or something I don't know but uh, you know it's like I get high when I see you go by my oh my but then he's like you know, it's only love, and that is all. Why should I feel the way? Like, it's only love, but why should this be affecting me so much? <laughs> you know, but it's so hard loving you. <laughs> it's loving you. <laughs> A nice little falsetto. So it's, you know, that's always one that I, I've I've kind of liked. You know, for some weird reason, <laughs> I don't know. 
You Like Me Too Much. That's another George Harrison. Let's see. George got um, two songs on this album that he were, that he wrote. Um, you know, and, it, and it's, uh, you know, it, it's on the same vein again as, as um, You're Gonna Lose That Girl or Another Girl. Like, they all had songs like that that were kind of basic standard love songs with you know there's like something going on like it's a little it's a step above like the simplicity of of you know she loves you yeah 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 but you know there's there's a little bit of a different vibe like it's more it's more pensive i guess those those all three of those songs are more a little more pensive than that and you're just trying to think of something you know um but uh, you know, it's not as good as say like "I Need You" or like that, but um, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good song. Uh, Tell me what you see. Um, that song. Um, that's a. Uh, I think Paul McCartney wrote that. Um, if you let me take your heart, I will prove to you. We will never be apart if I'm part of you. Now that song, um, shortly out, it's one that I, it's another one that I, I liked and I was just like kind of listened to and went on. But like when we went on lockdown for COVID, I, I started, I, I couldn't do karaoke, obviously, you know, because nothing was open, so I, I couldn't do that. So um, I I did videos of a few songs, of me singing uh, a few different songs, like four or five songs, and I just released them, you know, on Facebook. I just uploaded them onto Facebook and, and put them on there. And um, Tell Me What You See was one of them. For some reason, that stuck out in my head of like, I want to... I want to try singing that song. And I've never really sung it since, but just that one time. But it was just something, it was a nice little, it's a nice little memory for me now of thinking, yeah, I like, it's a pretty good tune. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I just, a lot of these songs, I'm just saying, you know, oh, it's a simple tune, but it's good. You know, <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, how I'm saying that about several of these songs, but there, there's a, there's a general flow to uh, help in particular, um, where it's a lot of these uh, more thoughtful, pensive tunes. And tell me what you see is definitely one of those. Um, I've just seen a face. Um, that is is one I've always really liked that song too, and that's one that I think Paul did that song for um, like an SNL. Uh, reunion special like the what would have been like the 40th anniversary or whatever wait has it been 40 yeah like the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live um, he did I've just seen a face I can't forget the time it's impossible to not tap your toes when you're listening to that song well we just met she's just I love you know the faster you know tone the faster rhythm to it and pace and uh you know, it's a really groovy song, and it's also one that's got kind of a country western feel to it. And then, of course, you've got Yesterday, which um, is obviously a standout. Um, it's it's one that Paul felt like like 
you know, I can't have been the one to write, like, this must be a song that I heard somewhere else and then just thought it was mine. And he was never able to find, you know, a, another source to it. So, like, he, you know, that's one that, like, maybe was given him to given to him by the Anunnaki, <laughs> as Frank might say. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's... it's beautiful and it's probably the most profound song on this album um it's you know it, it's got universal themes to it it's like why she had to go i don't know she wouldn't say i said something wrong now i long for yesterday and, and you know it's just that's that's one that really just grabs you but then there's something about yesterday also that i almost feel like it's I don't want to say overrated, but it's like, it's, it's the one you're supposed to love. And I, my brain almost rebels about that and says, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to love it because I feel like I'm supposed to, you know, I, I, um, it's, you know, it is a great song. Um, it's probably not one I would ever do in karaoke because it seems like the obvious choice. I guess that's what it is. It seemed like the the obvious choice. That's that song's been covered probably more than just about any other Beatles song, except for maybe like I think something was covered, you know, like a thousand times or something. I don't know what it is, but you know. But yes, great song, great song. And I don't think that song is in the movie Help. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not in it, but you would think it would be. But that's one that I, I, I think they were reluctant to release as a Beatles song because it's just Paul and that's it you know it's just it's basically just just Paul and like the rest of the Beatles will be like alright here you go go ahead <laughs> do your little song and then we'll get back to doing like Ticket to Ride or something you know? <laughs> but it is a great song but you know it, it it's maybe a bit obvious for uh, I don't know anyway um, and the end of the album is the other cover on the album Dizzy Miss Lizzie which was written by Larry Williams. Um, it feels almost like a throwback uh, to earlier. Like it's it's almost kind of weird that that they did that particular song for this album because you would expect it to be you would have expected it to be on like on with the Beatles or Beatles for Sale. Um, and I I have. A negative bias about Dizzy Miss Lizzie only because I have an ex named Lizzie, spelled the same L I Z Z Y, and I have some very negative memories about her. That was a, a very toxic relationship, and um, when I listen to the album, I tend to skip that one. But it is, but I I do like the song. I I think they did a great job with the song. I just have that negative. Um, association with it because of Lizzie and uh, so yeah but just in terms of, of a song itself it's it's a really good song just it's weird that it's on the help album you would think that maybe something else would have made it onto the album instead but you know they put that one on there so okay so that's all of the help album um, I need to be <laughs> sitting in the parking lot with the engine running um, you know, getting ready to leave work, and I need to go home and uh, 
get some stuff ready for dinner and uh, we got to do all that kind of thing and I got to release this and um, release it I've got to upload it um, for PQ to use hopefully in the help episode of Central um, if not I'm sure you know he'll he'll put it in something so either way thanks for listening um, back to use oh for sure for sure I am in uh, Concord on Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Uh, it's just, yep, yeah, that, that, again, that, 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 I like it better than that other song that everybody hates so much. Uh, and I, I won't keep, I hope I don't keep rubbing that in. Although from here on in, the like actually poor songs, I think after this album, they're far and few between. Uh, they, until we get to the Let It Be album, that that well, but that's just me. <laughs> I am so hard on the official Paul uh, Paul Specter, Phil Specter produced release of the Let It Be album. Even the songs I like on it are like. It's really said that I'm sh- and yes, there are better versions out there, but nonetheless. I when I went out and laid down my money as a kid for that new Beatle album that I got the Phil Spector one and it, it wasn't a happy day it just was not a happy day but we're talking about help here and uh, yeah we're we're, uh, we're right up to where uh, we get to hear what Frank Edward Nora's thoughts are so uh yep uh, we're 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 rolling along here so uh let's just uh keep them moving hey frank so here we are album number five help now this movie of course was tied into the movie help now we're mostly talking about the album but i want to talk about the movie as well um the movie came out on uh in the uk on Let's see, July 29th, 1965, and in the U.S., a week or two later, August 11th, 1965, and the album came out, the British album came out, sorry, I just got a phone call there, paused, Uh, Help the Album came out August 6th, 1965, so this was the British version, right, of of the album. so overall, I think that the, this album is their best so far. This is album number five. And when you, for me, I've been listening to this album over and over again. I'd say overall, this is the best album. There are just so many great and essential Beatles songs on here. There's a few mid-tier songs. And of course, one, uh, one sort of turd floating in the bowl. Yes, Act Naturally, one of the covers. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's just, you know, this album has help. It has ticket to ride. It has yesterday. So act naturally is just really not on that level. So this is the last album with any covers, uh, until if you want to even count it, it's a very different situation, but let, let, um, let it be. Oh, dirty maggoty may dear tell my life away. that song. So luckily, I mean, I, the covers really have not been great. Um, <clears throat> some of them are better than others. We have another one. We have two on here. We have Act Naturally and Dizzy Miss Lizzie, which is a great performance by John. Um, but I just really don't think the covers really suit them. 
and I'm glad they got rid of them after this. Um, but yeah, overall, what an amazing, amazing album. And as I said, the best of the first five, in my opinion. And uh, this is sort of the end of, I know there's people have different views of the phases of the Beatles. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, this is definitely like sort of slams the lid on phase one, right? And then there's sort of phase two and phase three. Um, <clears throat> this definitely feels like it's the end of an era because... A lot of the old-style songs about girls, you know, another girl, you're going to lose that girl, all these things about girls, you know, um, but just really amazing. I think, I feel like Ticket to Ride, one of the best Beatles songs, in my opinion. I think I'm going to be sad. I think it's today, right? Yesterday, which is a whole other musical universe unto itself. I mean, it's transcended even the Beatles, really. They say it's the most covered song in history. Obviously, this song is... Um, on another level um, and other ones that I really like I've just seen A Face is a great one and Help of course is a great song anyway there's a lot to talk about with the music on this album what about the movie so I did recently rewatch the movie I had sort of recalled not really liking the movie uh, if you remember back in our first one of the first two uh, Beatles uh, se- segments the general Beatles segments here on Central that I, I remembered I mean I absolutely adore and I love the Beatles' first movie, A Hard Day's Night. I would put it, without question, in the top ten best movies ever made, okay? That's how much I love this movie. I never get tired of it. I can just watch it over and over again. It's so quotable. It's so fantastic. It's it's just such a miracle how that movie turned out. So, their next movie, Help, um is really extremely um it it suffers in comparison to the first movie more than anything Um, i think that someone that was cynical and heard about the beatles and they're they're making a movie right this movie help is basically kind of like what someone would expect right that it's just kind of crappy kind of uh poorly quickly made movie um at least in terms of its uh, writing and its intention. I would say, I was really thinking about this a lot. The first movie has so much going for it. It's based, but it's basically ultimately about the Beatles, right? These four guys that are in this band in the middle of this most insane, wonderful, crazy period where they've become massive pop stars, right? And they're, and they're living with it. Um, it's all about them and all about them being pop stars and all of the excitement of us sort of to go along for the ride. Um, <clears throat> incredible dialogue and, you know, uh, Wilfred Bramble, whatever his name is, is so great as Paul's grandfather. Uh, everything, just, everything is just working. But it's, ultimately it's about the Beatles as a band, right? And um, there, there are a few light, surreal touches, but very light, I mean, in terms of, right, can we have our ball back, mister? You know, that scene where they're outside the train, which is obviously slightly surreal, but, right, obviously that couldn't happen, but it's the touches of sur- surreality and weirdness are very light, and they really fit into the sort of overall tone of, you know, being young, having fun, being a Beatle, all these other things. Um, Help is not about the Beatles, in my opinion. It's about this Indian cult made up of... You know, white people dressed up as Indians uh, trying to, uh, you know, 
trying to like get this ring off Ringo's finger or to kill him or kill the Beatles or whatever because they want to do more sacrifices. And um, it's more about that group and their bumbling uh, attempts to sort of uh, get the ring from Ringo. And that group of Indian cultists are not interesting in the least. They're very poor characters. And the movie is not as much about the Beatles or about their music uh, as it is about this Indian, this group of Indian cultists, which um, I think uh, they're extremely unlikable characters and annoying characters. And, you know, to really get it out of the way, as PQ mentioned on last episode, you know, it's basically uh, white actors with, you know, sort of brown face, you know, they're, they're putting coloring on their face to make them look like Indians. And, uh, you know, that right there, I know there's extra sensitivity to something like that today. And, uh, but I don't think that that's, the, that's not really what makes this movie bad. It's that if, even if these characters were played by actual Indian actors, it would be just as bad, right? I think that just sort of adds a bit of unpleasantness to the whole thing. It kind of feels creepy to see those characters like that. But the characters themselves are so bad. And uh, the Beatles are sort of um, reduced to just sort of the, the ones being chased in, in, in a way. Um, but as I said, I think that this movie help is exactly what a cynical person would expect from a rock group making a movie. And uh, I, th- I think to be fair, certain movies, it seems, are um, amazing, perfect movies in spite of themselves. You know, if you look at Star Wars, for example, the very first Star Wars, um, everyone thought it was going to be horrible and if you were following the production of it early on, you would have never thought it would be great. But something happened. A, mirac- a miraculous type of energy was involved, and somehow it all came together as this perfect movie. I think that's what happened with uh, Hard Day's Night. I mean, it's just no one ever could plan a movie like that because then every movie would be good like that. It was just they were on the crest of some sort of wave creatively, and it all just sort of worked. And I, it's very hard, I mean, to, to follow that up um, as a movie. Another movie that is similar to me, one of my favorite movies, Repo Man, maybe my favorite movie of all time, also seemed like on paper it would have been pretty bad, but somehow it all came together perfectly. Um, so Help the Movie, uh, I think it's, I, I find it unpleasant. Uh, it's... Uh, just just how the cultists sort of casually want to kill people and it's oh it's a hu- it's humorous well we just want to we just want to be able to sacrifice more women and kill them oh it's all we want to do what you know and just and really sort of the casual violence of it all um is uh you know and it's kind of mean spirited i think in a way um on all sides it's kind of mean spirited and unpleasant as a movie um, which is unfortunate, but I can kind of see how it happened. I just sort of, it seemed like at this point they were so stretched in so many different directions <coughs> that it seemed like they were just sort of depending on Providence for this movie to really be good, and it just kind of wasn't. I do find that it's, in, it's interesting in that a few years later, the Beatles would start to get involved in an actual Indian cult with the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, the guy behind the Transcendental Meditation Cult, and uh, 
<laughs> so I don't know what the relationship was between this movie and that. I mean, were they aware of Maharishi at that time? You know, were they, uh, you know, was it a parody of the Maharishi? Because then I think some of them really got into it. Even though, obviously, most of the Beatles saw through the the bullshit of, of the Maharishi. Um, some of them, you know, like one of their friends, Donovan, was a lifelong adherent to that cult and still is today, right? He's still around. He's, he's one of those people that's uh, promoting it, just like David Lynch. Um, right, this song, Sexy Sadie, from the White Album, was originally going to be, Maharishi, what have you done? You made a fool of everyone. <laughs> Instead of, but he got scared. He, he was scared the cult, the cult members were going to target him, so he changed it to Sexy Sadie. Yes. Wow, just a few weeks we're going to be doing White Album. Wow. <laughs> That's an amazing one. Um, anyway, yeah, so the, the movie is, you know, I, I do think, like, their house in the beginning is really cool where they have that little, <laughs> John has that little weird little conversation pit area that he sits in with copies of his books, book all around him, the vending machines they have. That felt very much like predicting a bit of, like, the, sur- the surreality and the psychedelic uh, Yellow Submarine universe uh, uh, in a way. But there wasn't really enough of that. Um, anyway, so I would say that this movie was a great uh, disappointment in terms of following up one of the best movies ever made on planet Earth. Uh, anyway, um, and then the whole thing with this, that woman who's she's supposed to be an Indian woman that sort of is helping the Beatles, but she's actually continues to be part of the group. It gets so confusing and annoying, and yeah. Anyway, that's my view on the movie. Yeah, I really wonder what contemporary uh, people, Indian Indian, not Native American Indian, uh, think of all this. Uh, Probably pretty horrifying, like a bad uh, Spike Milligan bit, you know, when he used to do the crazy Indians in blackface. But I don't know. I, I, unfortunately, it's one of those movies that I loved as a kid, kid, and I just, I watched it a few years ago, and I still did not register that at all, that whole Kaili, but yeah, that, uh, that that's by today's uh, political uh, norms and standards, uh, that movie's seriously problematic, and the Beatles probably would like to hide it under a rock or something and then which is a shame because i mean richard lester is right in there and if you looked at it with that uh carry on mentality where you know they're just gonna be kind of backwards that way but yeah, the, the the Beatles are supposed to be far more uh, mainstream, and uh, it, it's yeah, I'm with you, Frank. I, I I must concede, even though I really would rather not. Um, but act naturally. I gotta say that's a fun song. I know it's nothing, but. It, 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 they're all having a good time and, uh, uh, and and it really as far as the songs that are covers that Ringo sings uh, 
that's that's probably the one that fits his personality most i mean just that goofy happy loser uh and i've also covered this song i was also i almost tempted to uh subject you poor people to that but uh i i i shan't no worries you don't have to like run screaming to uh shut the podcast off or anything like that let's take a look at the album here first of all the album cover right and uh the album cover as we know is you can find it here where is the album cover? Yes. So it has uh, the Beatles at top and then the stereo. I guess there's a mono and stereo version of this one. I'm not 100% sure. I think so. Um, it's a white cover, sort of predicting in a way the white album perhaps. It's all white. Uh, the graphics on the top left, Parlophone, EMI. And then underneath an outlined font, help, exclamation mark. And then the Beatles. not sure what font that is. Again, I feel some of these fonts might be hand-drawn. And then stereo, Beatles in black on the top, on the top, and then uh, all four Beatles wearing their uh, the costumes they're wearing in the movie when they're in the ski scene. So, like George is wearing a top hat. What is John wearing? Sort of a beret. Paul has no hat on. Again, Paul's the odd one out on the cover. And this isn't even. This isn't even. Uh, we don't know. Is this possibly a Paul is dead thing? Because Paul's supposed to die in '66. This was '65. But Paul does not have a hat on, okay? And then we have Ringo with some sort of different hat, and they're wearing these big blue coats, right? And uh, so the, uh, the idea was to have them do uh, semaphore, right? That, which is a way, like if you're on a boat, you hold up these flags, and these, like one hand could be up, the other one could be down. That means like the letter O or something like that, right? So today we're going to do semaphore. Uh, this is what it says. The album cover shows the Beatles with their arms positioned to spell out a word in flag. Semaphore, right? <clears throat> According to the cover photographer, Robert Freeman, I had the idea of semaphore spelling out the letters help. But when we came to do the shoot, the arrangement of the arms with these letters didn't look good. So we decided to improvise and ended up with the best graphic positioning of the arms. So um, <clears throat> I don't know that it would have been <laughs> particularly bad. I mean... I guess, yeah. I mean, I, if you look on the Wikipedia page, they show you what the what it would have been like. I think they could have made it work. I mean, the E and the L kind of fit together. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, so, so instead of abandoning the semaphore concept, they just did random semaphore. And on the British version of the album, wound up spelling N-U-J-V. Nudgev. <laughs> A great new word, nudgev. Um, um, nudge and uh, I found some people that actually thought of it's a conspiracy that it is the new unknown James vocalist right new unknown and you James J vocalist especially because we're seeing Paul here without a hat on James of course Paul McCartney is named James Paul McCartney of course, the J could also be John, but Paul is the one that's supposed to be dead. Uh, this is really before Paul was supposed to have died. But, um, and I don't know that I subscribe to this, but N-U-J-V, that's a real stretch. But why would they mix it up like that? 
Nudge. Nudge. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> well, who knows how, how far back the Paul is Dead thing goes. I mean, when he died, they could have gone back in time to alter the covers of the albums. Listen, we're getting really fringe here, okay? Anyways. So that's the whole cover, and... Uh, it's it's definitely a, a classic cover. Album cover, that is, not cover song. <laughs> the two words are the same. It's interesting. Here's the movie poster. It says, Stop worrying. Help is on the way. Because there's that great Grateful Dead song. Help on the way. What do they say in the poster here? Ringo, help, I'm kidnapped. Paul, help, I'm lost on a tropic island. John, Help, I'm surrounded by women. George, help, keep our city clean. The hell. <clears throat> yeah, anyway. This is the album that was originally going to be called Eight Arms to Hold You. Right? And apparently, EM, uh, Capitol Records even announced that would be the title of the first U.S. single, Eight Arms to Hold You. So that could have been a... The Beatles song, Eight Arms to Hold You. And then that band, Veruca Salt, made an album called Eight Arms to Hold You to sort of... Let's see about that one. Yes. And a band called The Goon Squad made a song called Eight Arms to Hold You. I don't know them, but I do know that the Veruca Salt, their, uh, their second album from 97, Eight Arms to Hold You. Because they figured if the Beatles didn't use it, they'd use it. And they have an octopus on the cover. Looks like Volcano Girls was the song off that album. Let's see if we can find that one. They didn't do a song, Eight Arms to Hold You, though. That would have been good. Let's see, Volcano Girls. I do like Veruca Salt. With Google Pixel. Shut up, Google Pixel. I love the Pixel, but I don't want to hear an ad right now. Oh, yeah, I know this song. Anyway, they were big for a few years, Veruca Salt, and they took the name. So apparently um, the title song John, John Lennon wrote was he was really asking for help. Here's a quote from John Lennon from 1980. Well, earlier in 1980, hopefully. Yeah. The whole Beatle thing was just beyond com comprehension. I was eating and drinking like a pig and was fat as a pig, dissatisfied with myself, and subconsciously I was crying for help. When help came out, I was actually crying out for help. Most people think it was just a fast rock and roll song. I didn't realize it at the time. I just wrote the song because I was commissioned to write it for the movie. But later, I knew I really was crying out for help. So it was my fat Elvis period. You see the movie, he, I, is very fat, very insecure, and he's completely lost himself. And I am singing about it when I was so much younger and all the rest, looking back at how easy it was. So, yeah. Let's get to the actual album here and play a, just a short clip of each song, which I believe is under the fair use clause of the Copyright Act. It is, it is. I mean, we're really, I mean, this is a discussion about the album. We're not trying to, like, pirate the music, but it is necessary to play a little bit of each song. And I do think it's defensible as fair use. That's my view on it. Let's take a look at, uh, well, on Apple Music, they have um, 
<clears throat> like a, a description of each album. It's kind of interesting to see what they what they say about it. I'm not sure who wrote these things, where this writing comes from. If A Hard Day's Night and Beatles for Sale sounded like a band chafing at the confines of their own success, Help was more like a meditation. Four people seeking solace from inside a storm they'd never seen gather. Lennon, in particular, was miserable, drinking a lot, numbed out, writing the tale of a crumbling marriage for which he had plenty to atone from, the set, from a 17-room mansion adjacent to a golf course over which he'd never imagined living, a stretch he later called his Fat Elvis period. Where Beatles for Sale had captured the vitality of angry young men, the songs on Help, Lennon's Help, and You've Got to Hide Your Love Away, McCartney's Yesterday and I've Just Seen a Face, felt naked to the point of abstraction. The heat of the feeling stripped away to reveal something pining, innocent, planted on the ground but strangely displaced, alienation without angst. Cannabis, which the band had been smoking with heroic regularity, probably didn't hurt. You had the sense that they were singing not from themselves but about themselves, even to themselves, pieces on a great existential chessboard observed from a place of melancholic remove. McCartney said the drug made him feel like he was thinking for the first time. Ringo recalled the filming of the movie that accompanied the album, said in a charming Ringo fashion that the crew got used to the fact that the band didn't get much done after lunch. Even Ringo's Act Naturally, a light-hearted, kinksy country song, seemed tainted by a new, more ruminative frame of mind. The guy in the song is an actor playing himself. And while you could still hear the sweaty club band lurking underneath, Dizzy Miss Lizzie and Help, most of the album tilted toward classical austerity. You've Got to Hide Your Love Away was the band's first fully acoustic arrangement and featured the eternally unrocked sound of flutes. Yesterday, a song that seemed so comforting and eternal that McCartney was reportedly haunted by the feeling that it had somehow somewhere already been written. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> had a string quartet a move suggested to a hesitant McCartney by producer George Martin. Having spent their youth in extroversion, the Beatles were turning inward. About a week after the album came out, the band played a show to 56,000 screaming people at Shea Stadium, a scenario in scale so unprecedented that Vox had designed special amplifiers for the event. A week or so after that, they took a few much-needed days off at a rented house in Beverly Hills featuring a moat and a drawbridge, only to be discovered by four teenage female fans. When security guards turned the girls away, they went home, opened the yellow pages, and rented a helicopter. Help, that sounds right. So that's interesting. Paul said that he felt the song had already, was or had already been written. Yesterday, love was such an easy game to play. And of course, uh, as, as you know, I spoke about the theories that the Beatles really weren't... A lot of the songs were not actually written by the Beatles, but were from an otherworldly source. That is, from another timeline, another dimension, the land of the gods or whatever. And the songs were, were being given to the Beatles either directly or through hypnotic suggestion. This is getting very conspiratorial. In order to make them much more popular because they were part of some massive uh, plan to change the world. And I talked all about this on previous episodes of Central. Um, and I know that uh, Michael Jackson, who I think was probably, if this theory is correct, probably was had the same thing happen to him, 
he said that songs would come to him in dreams or whatever. Like he, um, you know, you might think that if you were trying to change the world through music and you had access to music far better than any human could write, you might want to uh, use that. <clears throat> Not to say that's true, but I do think about <coughs> I do think about that quite a bit. <coughs> now, every time I'm listening to these Beatles albums. I try to think, like, listen to these songs. Why isn't anyone making anything anywhere near like this anymore? It is just, it seems to be this lost musical art. It's, I'm not even just talking about whatever the Beatles had going on. It obviously is on another level, songwriting-wise. But just even the style or every, it's just weird. That current rock music is just so nowhere near this. And yes, I know there's bands that try to mimic Beatles styles. Um, but there's just something about the overall nature of this music that is so vital and so amazing. Why can't there be new new music like that? Anyway, let's get into it here. The first song, Help. And again, like almost all the albums, yeah, yeah, drop the needle. Side one, track one, and it just comes, help. Help. I need some... Right, just the first few seconds just gives you everything you need to know. Like, oh my God, this is where we are, you know. And what an amazing song this is. I was younger, so much younger. And I don't even know. I don't think there. I don't know if there's other songs the Beatles did that are like help. Help sort of is sort of like yesterday. They're sort of like two two sides of a coin. It's sort of songs that are sort of in their own universe, you know. Um, what an amazing song! Love this song. It's just absolutely classic. It's infectious. It's unbelievable. Then we get the night before. Wait, let, hold on. Let me let me get some notes here. One moment. One moment. So these are all Lennon-McCartney songs, except two songs by George Harrison, I Need You and You Like Me Too Much, and of course, the cover songs Dizzy, Miss Lizzie, and uh, Act Naturally. We'll get to those. The turd in the ball, Act Naturally, okay? And I feel bad, because I really do love Ringo, but this song is not good. Um, yeah, Four is sung by Paul. Let's check this one out. I really like this song too. If I can find it here. Yeah, it's a really good song. We said our goodbye. We said our Yeah, to me this this is a near near top tier Beatles song. It just has that somewhat of the early the phase one sound. Treat me like you did the night before, and then was it the middle eight part? Last night is a night I will remember you by. When I think of things we did, it makes me wanna cry. <laughs> and this also points out, and there's like some YouTube videos about this that. Music doesn't really have melody anymore. 
So these songs have a lot of melody. Were you telling lies the night before? Yeah. Love that song. And now here's one song. This is a, a subgroup of Beatles songs that are two minutes and nine seconds long. Some of my favorites. Hey, you've got to hide. Another top tier song. And head in hand, turn my face to the wall. Really, top level. I love this song. So, so far, like, these first three songs are just amazing. And, of course, it goes, Hey, you've got to hide your love away. And it has the flute later. Just overall, an incredible song. Absolutely love it. Then things cool off just a little bit with I Need You by George Harrison. Not a bad song by any stretch, but not really rising to the grandeur of the first three songs, but, right? It's a mid-level song, pleasant, but it's not at the same level as some of the other songs, you know. You know, it's, these things are sort of by comparison, so there's such high highs, and a couple, I wouldn't say that's a terrible song, it's just not really... You know, at the level of, like, Ticket to Ride or I've Just Seen a Face, you know. Um, and then next we have Another Girl, another Lennon McCartney song sung by Paul. This one's better. It's not the top tier, but it's very good. And then you're gonna lose that girl. <laughs> Two songs in a row that have girl in the title. This one is better than another girl, I think. You're gonna lose that girl. This really feels like a song that could have been in uh, Hard Day's Night. Near top tier Beatles song. But really with that kind of that older sound, you know. So this again, this is sort of really a transitional al- <laughs> album. But coming up, a song uh, sung by John Lennon, written by Lennon McCartney, Ticket to Ride, I think one of the best songs ever. Um, And this really feels like very forward-looking toward the next phase. What an amazing song. And again, it's these top songs that make this the best album yet. Not the best album ever, but I have my own view on that. I'm not sure. What do I think is the best Beatles album? Uh, I guess I, I guess I guess I have to say White Album for me. White Album I think is the best overall for me. Anyway, Ticket to Ride. Here we go. I think no. I think I'm gonna be set. I think it's today. Yes. What an amazing guitar sound. This is a top-tier song. I think I'm gonna be sad. I think it's today, yeah. The girl that's driving me mad is going away. She's got a ticket to ride. Yes. Really an essential Beatles song. Uh, What an amazing song. 
And that ends side one. So these are all the songs that were, I guess side one is all the songs that were in the movie. And side two is stuff that wasn't in the movie. Right? But side two has Yesterday, which blows away pretty much anything else. Um, and I've Just Seen a Face. That's a great song. But we started the second side with The Turd in the Bowl, as I mentioned. Act Naturally. I want to get more into this. I want to figure. It's, it's a song about a guy that's in a movie. <laughs> it's about a guy that's, you know, kind of sad and lonely. But he's like, all I got to do is act naturally because I'm also sad and lonely. I guess because it's, it's sort of a meta song about being in a movie. That may be why. I really don't know why they included this. They said that there was another song that Lennon McCartney wrote for Ringo that just wasn't good. So I guess they ran out of time and pulled this out. I, I, I mean, it's not. I mean, you can listen to it. It's just this is coming right after Ticket to Ride, for God's sakes. This turd. I know I'm being cruel about it, but this is pretty. Yeah. I don't think it's suited to Ringo in terms of his singing voice or his persona or anything. It seems like he's struggling to sing it. I don't know. I just a, just a misstep in my opinion. Uh, I mean, considering these the juggernauts that it shares an album with. Oh my God. Um, I, I want to see what the hell is going on with this song. I like, see who's who. Hold on, we'll look it up on the Beatles Bible. I mean, I'd still say that Mr. Moonlight is worse than this, but yeah, here we go. It says the last cover version recorded by the Beatles until. The Get Back, Let It Be sessions of 1969, Act Naturally, was sung by Ringo Starr and appeared on the second side of the Help album. The country and western song written by Johnny Russell and Voni Morrison was released by Buck Owens in 1963 and topped the U.S. Billboard Countries charts that year. Ringo says, I sang Act Naturally and Help. I found it on a Buck Owens record and I said, this is the one I am going to be doing. And they said, okay. We were all, we were listening to all kinds of things. So it's his fault. <laughs> Great. Let, let me find the Buck Owens version. Let's see what we got here. Do you love getting high? Yes, I love getting high. So do the Beatles, apparently, when they were recording the album Help. You need. They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make the big star I mean, that's slightly better than Ringo's version, but it's really not a great song. It's not a great song. Yes, it's about someone in a movie, but yeah, that just was not, not good. It's not good. Anyway, what do we have next here? Side two, uh, song two, It's Only Love. Right, this one goes down, 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 down. This is much better. John singing. I get high when I get high. Is that what you said? Smoking weed. Oh my. Yeah, this this one has that extra quality to it. It's a top tier song. I don't want to stop listening to it. 
Yes, very good song. Near, I'm oh, sorry, near top tier. Really good. And now we have the next uh, George Harrison song, You Like Me Too Much. And I think this also, very much like his first song on the album, good but not great. Right. I guess he's really sort of coming into his own songwriting to speak. Uh, likeable song. It's just not on the level of some of the bigger ones on here. It's not, it just feels like filler to me. I like you, you like me too much, and I like you. I mean, that, that part's pretty good, but yeah. <clears throat> anyway, next up, we have Paul singing, Tell Me What You See. If you let me take your this is kind of a, it's, it's weird because there's some Beatles songs that I can't, like just the title, I know the song intimately, but I don't know it by the title. This song is, this feels a song that is close to that top tier, but it's still in the upper level of the mid tier. It's a good song though. As filler goes, you know. Uh, then we have Paul with I've Just Seen a Face and this is much better than that last song I've just seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met great song top tier this is sort of feeling again like a song that is more forward looking than backwards looking so some of these songs feel like they're from the past some seem like they're from from the future When Paul, some of Paul's songs really sort of tap into this kind of energy that, uh, kind of similar to, uh, but tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. This has that kind of quality. And then we get to a song that uh, really transcends pretty much everything else. This song. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's talk about juggernauts. This is the juggernaut of the juggernauts of them all. Not my favorite Beatles song, perhaps, but you have to acknowledge this as one of the greatest songs ever written. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they... It feels almost a little bit like out of place on this album in a way, but it had to be somewhere. So, I mean, it's... Uh... This oh, I is this music from another world? The string quartet. I'm not half the man I used to we all know this song. Incredible song. I read, I read the, the working title was Scram- Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> what was this? The Weird Al version? Scrambled Eggs. Eat it. Just eat it. I don't know. And uh, finishing the album up with a cover song. Dizzy Miss Lizzy. Um, I guess the guy who created it was named uh, Larry Williams. And it's hard to dislike this song, but it is sort of, thankfully, the, the end of the road for these covers that don't ever seem to fit the Beatles that well. Though John does an amazing performance here. 
Um, it, thankfully, the last one, it just does not feel genuine for the Beatles, you know, but hell of a performance, though, if we can get it here. But yeah, we want to put this behind us. <laughs> yes. Larry Williams. Really? I thought it was someone else. Did someone else do it? Oh, God. I am really so tired of these covers. <laughs> we're, we're done with them now. We're done until Maggie May. And that's not even the same kind of thing. Um, so, anyway, I want to hear the original of that. Larry Williams, Dizzy Miss Lizzie. Is this it? Thinking about going solar. No, I'm not going solar. Shut up. I want to hear the song. Shut up. All right, let's go. Singing. See, in this case, the Beatles song sounds better. <laughs> what is this? Here, here's our recommended video. Stephen Wright, Wicker Chairs and Gravity. Remember Stephen Wright, the sort of deadpan, surreal comedian? I'm, I'm going on a tangent here. I was driving my car around, decided to hook my brake lights up to my gas pedal. <laughs> Just to confuse the people behind me. I hit the gas and the brake lights go on. They stop and I'm gone. They say, what is he driving? A friend of mine has a car phone. He has an answering machine on his car phone. The message is, hi, I'm home right now. All right. See, this is, this is how things go. You're, you're listening to the Beatles and you say, oh, Stephen Wright. Remember him? And you start watching that. And it has nothing to do with the Beatles. What do you want? You know? um, <coughs> yes. So, I mean, I'd say that this is the best album on the strength of the best songs. And also, you know, the mid-tier songs aren't that bad. It just, just frickin' act naturally. It pisses me off. No. So here's the documentary. You know, uh, Apple Music has these uh, documentaries. I don't know who made them, but a uh, little documentary about... Help. Here we go. It's, it's on video, but you're going to hear the audio. I need somebody help. Not just anybody help. You know, I need someone help. I had these two guys who used to write songs whenever we needed some. I think we just called them up and said, look, we'll be doing a movie now, lads. Will you come up with a couple of catchy hits? To get to ride, take one. That would. Okay. I know that's driving him out. Come on. She's got right, George. She's got a ticket to ride. 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 And she don't care. I think it was largely John's, the actual ticket to ride bit. We wrote it together. Uh, you see, with John and I, certain songs would nearly always be the idea of one of us actually said ticket to ride would be good the other one said okay that's what we'll write today it was 
good to make help and it's it's a nice film it's sort of funny it's very a period film now really just took it all very lightly really had a laugh i mean the snow all the snow scenes because the lads wanted a holiday they're fed up working see paul did have a hat in those scenes but he's not wearing it on the cover interesting there's ringo smoking a cigarette nice from the movie Yesterday, take one. It'll be an F for you. Original Paul, look at all those pictures of him. I remember Paul playing to me yesterday, yesterday and he called it Scrambled Egg. It wasn't until he got the lyric together that we decided to record it. So he went down and sat in a high stall with his acoustic guitar and sang yesterday. Oh, I believe in yesterday. We'd be well into the album. And uh, we all knew that you know, I'd be doing a number somewhere. Here we go. So we'd either say, have you got a song, you know, we've got this for you, uh, or we haven't got anything. Is there anything you want to do? They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make a big star out of me. See, seeing him, the visual of him makes it better. Just in audio, it's not that great, but seeing Ringo play it in, dr- in drumming. Not a good song, no. We were always kind of, you know, a little nervous. We are at Shea Stadium. For each step we went up the ladder, but we always had that confidence, and, and that was a good thing about being four together. We all shared the experience. Please come on back to me. I'm lonely as can be. I need you. There they are, nudge. Yes. Well, there you go. Help. Quite an album. The end of the first phase, as some, some people would interpret. And uh, coming up next, of course, Plastic Soul Man. Plastic Soul. Right? Didn't, didn't he say that on, uh, didn't Paul say that on one of the outtakes? How they were doing these uh, soul numbers, but they were sort of fake and plastic. That's where Rubber Soul came from. But that's, that's for next time. Rubber, rubber Soul time next time. This is Help. Back to you, PQ. Absolutely. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, get to that in just a moment. I just wanted that that was, I, I learned so much from everybody on these shows. This, these are great. Um, I'm enjoying, and I hope uh, listeners, it, I, and there's so many people out there. I mean, Manny, you out there? I'm sure you got something to say about the Beatles. Uh Bob Lament, Neil, there's a few of you that might be out there. And uh, yeah, I, it would be really cool. And you don't have to, we, we need not anything elaborate. And um, as I keep saying, uh, people, I mean, where's Doc Slees and all this? Uh, is he someone who dislikes the Beatles? Um well, in any case, um, next week, like Frank said, uh, we are talking about Rubber Soul, which, yeah, the, the help is the last. Although, to me, I, I have to digress here for a second. Songs like I've Just Seen a Face, Eleanor Rigby, 
Those are on Rubber Soul originally in the United States. So it's like really the original American Help album, which just has the songs from the film itself. That really is, the, to me, in my head, the end of the boy band Beatles. It ends on a great peak with all those great songs. But most of what's on side two either appeared on things like the Beatles 6 or the Beatles 65, maybe, or Rubber Soul. So it's like um, Rob was saying earlier, uh, us peoples, us older geebs who uh, got those original Beatles albums, which the chain, well, no, it's two more albums because you got your Rubber Soul and you got Revolver coming, but there was this weird American album called Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And now that I think about it, maybe Yesterday wasn't on Rubber Soul. It was a single and was on the Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow album, as was a bunch of songs like Dr. Robert and Your Bird Can Sing, I'm Only Sleeping. Those were, I'm getting way ahead of ourselves now because we are going rubber soul next week here. Um, And I thank you so much, Rob Shambles and Frank, and uh, you with the years over there uh, for making this all uh, a complete unit. And uh, I'm having so much fun with the Beatles. Uh, can you tell? Can you tell? PQ River is getting great joy from just sharing this good feeling that the Beatles give us and yeah we can argue over which songs suck and all that but oh when the beatles were good it's like the good day sunshine and cheesy and all what can i tell you um okay you want to participate in next week's show i bet you the rubber soul show the email address which you'll need is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. I repeat, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. There's no rules. I mean, you want to talk about the specific album. You want to talk about all the albums up to now. I mean, if you really want to go ahead and talk about stuff after, I'm not going to stop you. Although all things being equal, I'd rather you sent something on the later albums and later and something on these now. But I, I participate. I do not let me and my little picky yoon. Don't let form get in the way of the fun, is all I'm saying. And I'd rather you participate and have a good time than anything else, because that, that's really, truly what this is all about. And uh, yeah, our, it'll be our first March episode next time around. Um, I'm aiming... I mean, if you if we get enough stuff by Wednesday evening the first, 
that's when we'll do it. But uh, yeah, it's been bleeding on, and there's nothing wrong with that, especially, I mean, if you're really like you're going to do it and you want me to wait or hold the bus, uh, just drop me an email. Once again, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. And uh, thanks, 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 thanks. And it's a beetle fest for weeks yet to come which is also very nice so uh yeah till we meet the next time set the controls for the heart oh yeah i gave you a deadline set the controls for the heart of the fun <laughs>